We started two, three weeks ago now on a series called Get Wisdom. The wisdom of God. And, and we've looked at a bunch of different aspects of it. And tonight, I'm going to do a little bit of review, but we're going to look in particular at the wisdom of God is how us knowing the will of God for our lives is us knowing His wisdom for our lives. Now, let's say it this way. Tonight, when you go out of those doors, I want you to be able to be more confident in your ability to discern the will and wisdom of God for your life. That's what we're going to look at, being led by the Spirit of God. And in fact, there is, I'll just tell you now before I forget, down in the bookstore, there's a book called How, uh, How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God. It's by Kenneth Hagin. There's about three books down there, I believe. And um, they're, how much are they? $15. And they're excellent books on being led by the Spirit of God. And, and know this, that when you read a book, it's a message I don't have to preach. Yeah. <laughs> or in some cases, if it's a big book, a bunch of messages I don't have to preach, right? So you're helping me when you feed yourself by educating yourself. Wisdom, we looked at definitions and we saw that wisdom means simply means skillful. To be skillful. And having the wisdom of God in any particular area means having the skill of God in that area. And one way that we defined it was wisdom is skillfully using knowledge. Skillfully using what you know. In Nelson's uh, translation, he gave this definition, and I like it. It says, the skill of living. The skill of living. The ability to judge correctly and to follow the best course of action based on knowledge and understanding. So we're talking about wisdom. We, we recognize that much of the time, wisdom has to do with the future. I'm talking about the wisdom of God. When we get the wisdom of God or when we need the wisdom of God, it has to do with our future whether it's the immediate future or far off into the future, it still deals with future events usually. Wisdom is skillfully uh, anticipating what is to come and being prepared for it, not caught by surprise by it. Proverbs said this, it said, wise people see trouble coming and hide themselves, but the fool just goes right on in and gets clobbered is how the one translation says it, right? So, we don't want to be caught by surprise. Sure, we're all caught by surprise from time to time, but you know what? We're all fools from time to time too. We've all done foolish and dumb things. We've all done things where we said afterwards, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, that's what that is. So, for you and I, we want to short-circuit that whole thing, right? And say, well, I want, I want to pay attention to the Lord leading me in His wisdom, in His will, so that I don't do that. <clears throat> we also examine, this is just quickly in review, uh, that there's four sources of wisdom. And if you looked in James 3.15, if you're taking notes, you can find all four sources listed there. There's wisdom from above, that'd be from our Father God. Then there is earthly wisdom or natural wisdom. And then there is fleshly wisdom or selfish wisdom, self-centered wisdom. And then lastly is demonic wisdom or devil-inspired wisdom. So there are four sources of wisdom and 
each source will give you or bear fruit after its own kind, whether it's natural wisdom, common sense we might call it, or whether it's demonic inspired or selfish inspired. But the wisdom of God who can refute is what Scripture says. Right? When God gives His knowing to you on an issue, His wisdom on what to do on an issue, suddenly the most difficult thing in the world can become simple and easy. The most complex set of problems is easy if you just have the answer. Right? <clears throat> we also saw that wisdom is a spirit being. That wisdom is a spirit. We recognize that fear is a spirit, right? I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of a sound mind. How are you going to have a sound mind if you don't have wisdom? That spirit of wisdom. Um, another thing, Paul, when he prayed for them in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1, he prayed that they would, God the Father would give them a spirit of wisdom. So, wisdom is a spirit, but wisdom is something that was made available to every believer. Through Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says Christ Jesus became God-given wisdom for us. Christ Jesus became God-given wisdom for us. And then it lists three more things. It says, and our righteousness, our redemption, and our sanctification. So just as much as He became your salvation, He became wisdom that's available for you. Knowing what to do. Knowing how to overcome. Knowing should I go this way or this way? Should I take three or two? Right? The knowing of what to do. And we saw in, in, in Proverbs that wisdom is available and calls out to us. We read Scriptures that said wisdom calls out in the street and wisdom is crying at the gate and wisdom is over here crying out, hey, people, listen to me. And we saw a bunch of Scriptures on that, that wisdom calls out to us. So wisdom is looking for you. Someone say, wisdom is looking for me. So let's not play hide-and-seek with wisdom. Right? Don't hide yourself. But we have a responsibility to get wisdom. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 4. And this is where we are using as a text. And in Proverbs 4, in verse 5, he starts out, he says, get wisdom, get understanding, don't forget or turn away from the words of my mouth. <laughs> don't abandon wisdom and she will watch over you love her and she will guard you wisdom is supreme so get wisdom so what are we told to get get wisdom do we have a bunch of go-getters in this house i told you the story last week of my dog right or the several dogs we had and they could be laying there fast asleep. And if I just pointed out into the field or yard or somewhere and said, get them, boy, they would jump up and, I mean, beat it in the direction I pointed, looking for what they were supposed to get. They were quick to obey, but they understood what get them meant. And what was great is because sometimes I would just prank them and do that because it was fun to watch them do that. They would come back and they'd just be so happy and think they'd just save the world. And, of course, I'd praise them and tell them they were great, you know, they because they jumped up and ran out and went to go get whatever I was, I was pointing at. The funny thing was, is if you're a cat lover, you'll just have to forgive me, but we had cats, right? 
And our dogs knew that our cats were off limits. Can't touch them. But any other stray cat, neighbor's cat that walked across our three-acre yard, they knew those were fair game. <laughs> and so when we would say, get them, they'd usually go out looking for a cat or a squirrel, one of the two. But just like in that same way, the Lord is telling us, get wisdom. Yet often what we're waiting on is for wisdom to just somehow magically arrive. We don't want to put forth the effort of spinning and taking off out of there looking for wisdom, right? We, we would rather just lay there and say, oh yeah, thank you Lord for the wisdom. That was nice. Sure glad I didn't have to put forth any effort for that. You guys laugh because you know you've done it. So what's our responsibility? To get it. Wisdom is available. It's crying out to us. It's been made available through the work of Jesus Christ. So we are to get it. And here's what get wisdom implies. It implies that you don't have enough of it. It also implies there's more available. So would whatever you're facing right now in life, whatever decision you're up against, you know, some of you are facing losing a job because of a forced vaccination, or some of you are you know, weighing maybe should I or shouldn't I. Some of you others are looking at, well, because of everything that's going around us, what, what would help you make your decision? Is getting the heartbeat of God on it, getting the will of God on it, which is another way of sitting, saying getting God's wisdom on it. <clears throat> so our responsibility is to get wisdom. Well, we saw in James 1 verse 5, let's go over there in fact. James 1, verse 5. And we are given precise instructions what to do when we bump up against a place where we need wisdom. In James 1, 5, it says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. It will be given generously and abundantly. So if you lack wisdom, ask. This is the first way of you responding to the need for wisdom. Responding to what's already available to you is ask the Lord for it. Ask Him for it. But don't just ask and now, I don't know, I still don't know what to do. Ask with the expectation that He has now put within you the knowledge to know what to do. Ask in faith. In fact, if we just keep reading, it says, but let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So, how should we ask the Lord? In faith. What does in faith mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because in Mark 11.24, it tells us. It says, therefore, Jesus is speaking. Is Jesus a liar? Nope. Okay, so what he says is true. He said, I tell you, all the things you pray and ask for, this is the word ask, this word ask is the word require. But all the things you pray and require of the Lord, okay? He says this believe that you have received them and you will have them. Believing you have received it is past tense. Did you catch that? And you can look up the original words in this and that is exactly the meaning of what is written. 
Believe that you've already taken possession of it and you will have it. See, faith believes in something that it cannot see yet with the natural eye. When you ask the Lord, Lord, I need wisdom to know how to do this. Lord, I need wisdom to know how to develop free PA, right? I need wisdom to know how to grow my business. I need wisdom on what to do about what they're telling me about all these shots and blah, blah, blah. When you're asking the Lord that way, ask Him, Lord, I need this wisdom, and then turn right around and believe that you've received it and taken deposit of it on the inside. And I'd say, thank you, Lord. I thank you that you've given me the wisdom. I know exactly what to do. I know exactly what I'm going to do. And all the while, your head is going, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't have a clue. But you know what? You just say, shut up, head. I know what to do because I believe that I receive. See, faith is of the heart, not of the head. With the heart, one believes unto salvation. Not with the head, one believes unto salvation, but with the heart. With the mouth, we confess and salvation comes. So in the same way, with the mouth, we confess what we believe in the heart. It's simply all it's saying. So begin to believe in your heart. Take possession of it with your spiritual eyes, if you will. See it on the inside. Take possession of it and receive from the Lord the wisdom to know how to handle this situation. The wisdom to know which direction should I go? What should I do? And thank Him for it. And then don't go walking away going, I still don't know what to do. Because that's being a doubter and it's being unstable and you're like the wind and waves, you're being driven and and it says here that that person ain't going to receive anything. So you walk away in faith going, I know what to do. So someone goes, oh really? What are we going to do? I'm not going to tell you yet. (laughs) But I know what to do. Praise the Lord. He has given me divine wisdom on this. And His will is awake within me. You know, I told you the story a couple weeks ago of of me doing exactly that and the Lord just miraculously right there, boom, putting on the inside of me the knowledge of what happened and the knowledge of what to do. And Shane shared a story like that. You know, programming and things in computers that, you know, he just started thanking the Lord that he knew what to do and suddenly he knew what to do. This is how this works. So wisdom is made available to us. We have the responsibility to get wisdom. There's something else we have a responsibility to do. And look in Proverbs chapter 2. Actually, while you're turning to Proverbs chapter 2, I'm going to read James 5 to you again, but in a different translation. In the Woost translation, check this out. It says, And if... As in the case, any one of you is deficient in wisdom, let him keep on presenting his request in the presence of the giving God who gives to all with simplicity and without reserve, and who does not reproach, and it shall be given him. But let him present his request in a trusting attitude, not in an expression of that hesitation which vacillates. For the person who vacillates is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that individual suppose that he shall receive anything from the presence of the Lord, a dubious, undecided man vacillating in all his ways. So grounded, not in waves, but in promises, the truth, the rock. Right? All right. Proverbs chapter 2. Let's look here in verse 1. My son, if you accept my words, and store up my commands within you, 
Now, how would you store up the Lord's commands within you? Is it possible to store up the Word, the command of the Lord within you if you never read it? If you don't take the time to get your Bible out to look, what is He saying? What did He say? Store it up within you. I mean, even to the point of memorization and meditation and take a Scripture verse and just say, you know what, today, this verse, I'm going to really imprint it upon my heart today and put it within me. Verse 2, he says, listen closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. The word directing here means stretch. Stretch your heart to understanding. Stretch it to understanding. Is stretching comfortable? <laughs> no. <laughs> Have any of you ever discovered that the Lord doesn't really care about your comfort zone? Like, He asks you to do things that are just so far beyond your comfort zone. Like, yeah, but come on, Lord. He doesn't know what comfort zone is. Comfort zone's a killer. I mean, it's nice to sit on the couch and have, you know, a bag of chips and be watching Netflix, whatever. But your comfort zone is exactly that. It's, it's just a place that is really not productive. Everyone needs rest. Don't hear me. Don't hear me wrong. Everyone needs rest, right? An arrow can't be shot out of a bow without first pulling the string back. And so think of your rest time as pulling the string back. Then you're going to fly. But if you're lazy, different subject altogether. Now we're in the classification of the fool section of Proverbs, right? Go to the ant, thou sluggard. And be wise, right? Take some wisdom from the ant. So stretch your heart to understand. Verse 3, furthermore, if you call out the insight and lift your voice to understanding. So here, do you, are you seeing more? I said our responsibility is to get wisdom. So get it. Alright, what's one of the ways we do it? We call out to it. Why would you audibly call out to wisdom? Because wisdom is a spirit that can hear you. It's a spirit of God and can hear you. And we need to ask for it. Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. You can absolutely go to the bank or figurative bank, whatever, either one of them, with these promises on wisdom. You know what, Lord? I've asked you for wisdom, what to do for this. So either I have it or you're a liar and I know you're not a liar, so therefore I have it. It's mine. I possess it. I have the wisdom of God on the inside of me. And I do this. I do this. Uh, I usually like to do it when I'm driving in the car by myself so the rest of everyone else doesn't think I'm a lunatic. But I call out to wisdom. I say, wisdom, come to me. Make your house with me. It says to do it, so I do it. Lift your voice for understanding. You say, well, that's crazy. I don't know. It's been working for me. Verse 4, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, that means you're going to put forth effort. It means you're going to sweat for it. It means you're, you're not going to rest until you find it. Seeking it, searching for it, then after you do that. So what have we done so far? We've, we've accepted or taken His words. We've stored them up within us. We've listened closely to wisdom. We've stretched our heart for it. We've called out to it. We've lifted our voice to it. We've sought it. Then, verse 5, you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. So all of that was our part. Now look at what the Lord does. Verse 6, the Lord gives wisdom. 
From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up success for the upright. This word stores up success in the Brown Driver's definition says it this way, it is abiding success that comes from the effect of sound wisdom. Success that comes from sound wisdom. Not singular success, but it's ongoing success. He stores up success for you, the upright. He is a shield for those who live with integrity so that He may guard the paths of justice and protect the way of His loyal followers. This is all what the Lord will do for you if we do that first part. The first five verses of calling out, of stretching ourselves, of seeking it, of acting like my dog when I say, get him. Because the Lord said, get wisdom. Man, go after it. Because see, with wisdom, you could suddenly start hitting the bullseye each time. Instead of just occasionally. With wisdom, suddenly all the effort that we're putting forth into something doesn't have to be wasted effort. But can have abiding success. Because the Lord is the one that it was His idea. It was His will. He's, it was, he's behind it. Verse 9, Then you will understand righteousness, justice, and integrity in every good path. For wisdom will enter your mind and knowledge will delight your heart. And it's going to watch over you and it's going to guard you and on and on. See, wisdom we saw calls out to us. But now we see we also call out to it. See, deep calls to deep. Right? And be deliberate and diligent in receiving wisdom. Don't just assign the wisdom of God to the big areas in your life. Pay attention to the little things in your life. I'll give you an example. I, one day I'm in a big hurry to go and I have my sunglasses in my hand so I toss them in on the driver's seat and i got to run back into the house and grab something. And as I toss them in, I have that check shouldn't do that because you'll forget it and sit on them. You know, just that, that awareness. Not like the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me or anything. It's just something I knew. No, no, I'll remember. Yeah, I'll remember. See, that's overriding the leading of the wisdom of God. So, of course, I come back out and did not remember and sat right on them. Now, thankfully, they didn't break, but they could have. That's a good way to break them. And... The wisdom of God comes to us is often overlooked because we use our reason and logic rather than, well, go with me over to Proverbs 3. You're right there in Proverbs 2. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It does not say head. Heart. That's your spirit man. We're going to talk about spirit, soul, and body here in just a moment. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Now we are to use our head because now we're supposed to think about Him in all our ways and He will guide you in the right path. So you consider Him. You think about Him. You, you Every step you're going to take, Lord, what about this? Why is wisdom supreme? Why is wisdom considered the most important. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 and you'll see why. In Ephesians 5 and verse 15, says, pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise. So what, what is the subject at hand? Walking as wise people. 
Because the converse side of that is walking as a foolish person. We don't want to do that. We've all tried that from time to time. So we are to walk as wise people, but it's not going to just happen by accident. See, it says pay careful attention to how you walk so that it's the wise way. What else does he say? Making the most of the time because the days are evil. There is an adversary out there that goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's laying traps in front of you. He's trying to bring people alongside of you that are going to be uh, um, problematic for you and are going to get you off of the right path. So there is all these strategies the enemy has out there to, to derail you. So there is a right way to walk and a wrong way to walk. So we're to pay careful attention to how we walk so that we're wise. In verse 17, here it is, don't be foolish. Don't be a fool. Or let's say it a different way. Don't be stupid. But understand what the Lord's will is. So we can say understanding what God's will is, is wisdom. Not knowing what God's will is, is foolishness. Now all of us have been on both sides of this thing. Not knowing and knowing. And, in, and for some of us, we're right now in a place of where I'm not sure what the Lord wants. So now we know what we have to do. We have to go to Him and find out what He wants so that we can now walk in His wisdom. Because when His wisdom comes to you, that's, that's you knowing how to walk in His will. Right? Knowing how to walk in His will. The wisdom of God is the will of God for you. So how can I know the will of God? How can I know? How can I discern? How can I receive? How can I judge? Because see, wisdom has to do with deciding. How can I rightly discern what is God's will for me? What is God's wisdom for me? And in the church world today, in the body of Christ, this, there's an epidemic of not knowing the will of God. Not knowing how to hear from the Lord. Not knowing what's the Lord, what's me, what's you know the devil, and on and on and on. And if we could just get real clear and really get ingrained into us how to walk with the Lord, then suddenly, because you're staying in His will, what does it say? He's going to make your path straight, right? And He is going to help you. He's going to put wind in your sails. Romans 8, verse 14 says this, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The first thing I want you to really grab a hold of is led by the Spirit of God. Not led by angels. Not led by prophets. Not led by visions. Not led by word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. Not led by any of those things, but led by something very specific, the Spirit of God. Now, the Lord may give you direction using those other things, but those are not the normal everyday occurrence. Now I'm going to say something that some of you have been trying to hear on the inside and you shouldn't. Not by hearing voices either on the inside. Will the Lord speak to you sometimes? Yes, He will. Will the Holy Spirit speak to you? Yes. But the primary way that He's going to lead you and me is going to not be by voices on the inside. And if you're listening for an audible voice, man, you're really in dangerous ground. You know, over the last several weeks, I have read different accounts 
of people that believed they were hearing from the Lord. And one guy killed his own family, claimed he was the Lord told him to do it. Another guy, unfortunately I know this guy personally, he killed four people, another family, because he claimed the Lord told him to do it. And he had his reasons, and this is why the Lord said to do it. And with after, after some more details came out, here he claims he's hearing an audible voice. Well, first of all, what does the Word say? Murder's right out, right? So we can't, we can't go there. So it's easy to identify, well, that's not the Lord. Whatever you're hearing, must be listening to a devil. And so, you and I, we're not going to look for voices. You're going to sometimes hear the Lord say something to you on the inside. You may even once in your lifetime hear the audible voice of the Lord. But we read about people in Scripture that heard the audible voice of the Lord, but it wasn't an everyday occurrence. It was like once. Jesus did twice. Jesus, the Son of God. At His baptism, and then later one time, and people thought it thundered. They didn't know what they heard. Like, did you hear that? Yes, thunder, I think. And it was God speaking out loud. So if Jesus was not hearing an audible voice, we certainly shouldn't try to hear an audible voice. You know, the only time I ever heard an audible voice, it wasn't the Lord, it was the devil. It woke me up. And I woke up to the sound of a Bible verse being quoted to me. You say, wait a minute, the devil would quote a Bible verse to you? Absolutely. He stood right there with Jesus and quoted word to him and used it to try to tempt him to jump off the temple. Quoted Psalms 91 to him. Of course, Jesus knew better. (laughs) And he quoted the word back to him in the proper context. See, that's important. Twisting Scripture just gets us into trouble. Well, I woke up to the sound of a Scripture out of Hebrews that said, this day your soul will be required of you. Really? Lord, is this it? Am I going to die today? And fear was there. And unrest was there. I'm like, this ain't right. This ain't the Lord. That ain't the Lord. The Word, it doesn't even, it doesn't even fit with the other Scriptures that I know. Because the other Scriptures say He's going to satisfy me with long life. It says that if I honor my father and mother, it will go well with me and I'll live long on the earth. So I have Bible verses that contradict that voice I just heard. And so I took authority over that thing, whatever it was, and you know, spent some time in prayer. And later in the day, we were flying with Jen's parents to a funeral, actually. And um, her dad has his own plane. And so we were going through the clouds, and it was in the wintertime, and, and we, our plane started picking up ice. And I'm looking out at the wings, and he has a plane that's able to fly into known icing conditions. And what it is, is all the big jets have that, but... There's a skin that it, it fills up with air and it, it knocks the ice off that's forming over the wing. So it's like a little bladder that does, does that right off the front of the wing. Well, in this case, the ice was forming up outside, out of the reach of the bladder. So that bladder is not able to knock the ice off. Well, when you change the shape of an airplane, what do you have? A brick, <laughs> right? It loses lift. It no longer flies. And so I'm looking out the window and seeing this, and I'm seeing her dad looking out the window and looking out the window. He's not saying a word. 
Because, I mean, he's cool as a cucumber, you know. He's a pilot, you know. They could fly him right into the ground and you hear them talk on the thing and they never sound rattled. It's amazing. They all, they all, anyhow. He's just sitting there flying this thing and he keeps looking out there at the thing. Ten seconds later, I see him glance out there again. I know, something has his attention out there, right? And so I look and uh, about that time I remember this day your soul will be required of you. So I took authority over that. And I started commanding the ice to come off those wings. They did. We're here today, right? And the Lord helped us. But my point is, is listening for voices is not a good idea. It is not a good idea. There is a better way to be led by the Spirit of God. Even listening for voices on the inside. Where does the Spirit of God live? In you. In you. So, it is okay that He would talk to you in there. Alright? But how does the Word tell us to interact with this Spirit that He's put inside of us? Let's look here in in Romans 8. I read to you verse uh, 14. But verse 16, so it says the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Then in verse 16, he says the Spirit Himself, talking about the Holy Spirit that He's put inside of you to live, says the, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. His Spirit, that word bears witness, is co-witness. It means there's two witnesses saying the same thing. Or not saying the same thing, but there's two. Co-witness means two people. Or two. Let's just put it that way. And if you'll look here, he says uh, that God's Spirit will bear witness with your spirit. It doesn't say God's Spirit will speak to your spirit. It doesn't say God's Spirit is going to give dreams to your spirit. Or send angels to you. I mean, come on, the devil can show up as an angel of light. Paul said, if an angel would show up to you and preach another gospel, no, I don't care. So you, there is, there is one, there's more than one way that God can speak to you, but there's one way that's the most sure. That's the most certain. That is the most, how would I say, the safest, the most productive, the right way. And you never violate this one way. This one way. And that way is by being led by, by Him. I'm going to describe it in detail a little bit later, but His Spirit bearing witness with your spirit is what it is. Proverbs 20.27 20, says this. It says, The Spirit of a man is a lamp of the Lord searching the innermost part of the being. The Spirit of a man, your spirit, is a light from the Lord searching the innermost part of the being. See, the real you is not that physical body sitting in the chair. This right here that you're seeing stand here, this outside shell, it's not the real me. I am first and foremost a spirit being. That's the real me. That's the part that will long outlast this temporary shell, this earth suit that I have on. My body, my flesh. Right? The real me is my spirit man. But I'm a three-part being. I have spirit, I have soul, and I have body. My spirit is what the Lord gave to me. My spirit is the part that got born again. When I received Jesus as Lord of my life, my body didn't get born again. My soul didn't even get born again. 
That's why Peter talks about working out the salvation of your soul. Because your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's the intellect, the mental realm. That's what your soulish realm is. It's your personality. Whereas your body, well, that's pretty straightforward. We know what your body is. Your spirit is what gets born again. Jesus said what is of spirit is spirit when He was talking about being born again. What's of flesh is flesh. You know, when a baby is born, there's flesh. But then what's of the spirit is spirit. In fact, remember when Paul was um, in Philippians and he was saying that I don't know if I'm going to live or die. He was he was in prison. I don't know. He choose. He was talking about choosing. I don't know if I should choose to live or choose to die. Because if I choose to live, that's good for you. But if I depart and go be with the Lord, well, that's better for me. And so he said, I don't know which I should choose. Who is the I he's talking about? His flesh? No. Because depart and be with the Lord means he's not with his flesh anymore. So the real I Paul is talking about is his spirit man. And just a side note on if you look in Galatians about being spirit led, to be spirit led, it says, you know, many people try to be spirit led or walk after the spirit by not doing the things of the flesh. But that's completely backwards if you'll go read it in Galatians. It actually tells us to go after the spirit and then you won't do the things of the flesh. But if you're over here trying not to do something, it's a recipe for failure and frustration and and on and on and on. So we're talking about the real you, the inner man of the heart, the inner person. In fact, in in 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says it this way. He says, we don't give up. He says, Paul was saying this. He said, our outer person, talking about his flesh, is being destroyed and our inner person is being renewed day by day. His spirit man. Remember, I don't want you to lose sight of what we are learning tonight. We are learning to walk in the wisdom of God, meaning in the will of God. And how do we discern and hear and know the will of God? This is what I'm teaching you. How to know, how to correctly discern, where do I find the will of God for me? So first, we just have to establish that you're a spirit being. The outer person is not the real you. The real you is your inner person, your spirit being. Peter called it the hidden man of the heart. Why is it hidden? Because you can't see it with your natural eye. It's on the inside. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and look, new things have come. Do you know anyone that got born again and had a brand new body? Nope. So it's not talking about body, is it? Do you know of anyone that got born again and had a completely different personality, likes and dislikes, their whole mind, will, and emotions were changed? No. Because that's not the part that gets born again. It's the spirit that gets born again. And the old man is dead, and now you have the new man, the DNA of Christ living on the inside of you, in your spirit, and this is the contact that God has with you. God is Spirit. And there's a reason He put Spirit inside of you so that He has a way of contacting you. A way of leading you. A way of giving you impressions. A way of of directing you. Now the soul is also important because through the soul realm is how you can feed the spirit realm. 
You know, we are renewed after the knowledge of Him. Knowledge means it's, it's something you now know. Right? Knowledge is something you're learning it tonight. You're all, and so through that knowledge, through the reading, through the soul gate, your spirit gets fed that Word of God. Romans 12.2 says it this way, renewing your mind. We are to renew our mind. And why should we renew our mind? I mean, what renews our mind? Well, the washing of the water of the Word. And why should we renew our mind? He says very clearly right there, so that you may know the good, the pleasing, the perfect will of God. See, there's an acceptable will. There's an okay will. And then there's the, the perfect will of God. Let's say it a different way. So that you can walk in the wisdom of God. Because you can't separate His wisdom from His will. One, it's the same. That's right. The same. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern the good, the pleasing, the perfect part will of God. See, a lot of people don't understand um, the difference between soul and spirit. And most of Christianity, if you would ask them, what's the difference between soul and spirit? Even ministers, they would be like, well, I don't know, they're interchangeable. They're the same. No, they're not the same, right? And I've been defining that all along, but I want to give you two Scriptures for it. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, May your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless. Three parts of you were named. So they're very clearly not the same. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is living and effective and sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit. So soul and spirit, if you can divide them, then they're not the same. Right? The voice of your flesh, the means of communication with your flesh is your five senses. Right? Touch, taste, smell. Whatever the five senses are. Sight, sound. I hope that was five of them. The voice of the soul is your intellect. It's your will, your mind, your reasoning, your logic. That's the voice of your soul. But the voice of your spirit is that inner sense, that, that gut feeling for us guys. I just had a gut feeling. Women, they don't, they don't have that whole thing going on. They have intuition, right? Their intuition. And those two things, I'm going to just say, are the same thing, right? They're your spirit on the inside, bearing witness. Bearing witness. And so, the voice of your spirit is your conscience. Or we could just say your, your spirit man. That inner sense. With your spirit, you contact the spirit realm. With your soul, you contact the mental realm. And with your flesh, you contact the physical realm. That's how they lay out. The problem in most of the body of Christ is that we try to contact the spirit realm through either the soul or physical realm. And so we completely miss the actual way to have the, have the contact that we need. You know, if I'm waiting on a call from my wife, I can, I can wait at the ironing board all day long at the iron and that thing's never going to ring. No matter how long I'm waiting on the telephone call, I'm never going to be able to receive a call on the iron. 
Why not? Because it's not a telephone. I'm using the wrong thing. Right? And if I do try to answer that thing, if my phone rings and I pick up the iron, guess what's going to happen to the side of my head? I'm going to have scars. My hearing is going to get dulled and numb. And when we repeatedly try to hear, have contact with the spiritual realm from the wrong place, we wind up frustrated and dulled and callous and go, man, I don't know. It's not working. And we quit trying. But there's a right way. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Know my voice. How many times did Jesus say, anyone who has ears should hear? Now, I'm going to ask you to hear this a little differently tonight. Because sometimes, you know, our mind works in pictures. We picture Jesus standing there with His disciples and anyone who has ears should hear. And so, oh, He's telling them to be sure and pay attention to what He's saying right now instead of thinking of the loaves and the fishes they had a little bit earlier. So, pay attention. Well, He might be doing that, but there's a greater purpose than them just catching it with their physical ear. When He says, my sheep know my voice, it doesn't mean that Jesus is calling out with an audible voice and that all His sheep know the sound of that audible voice. And when He says, hear with your ear, He is talking about your spiritual ear. Because there was people that stood right there and heard with their physical ear, but they didn't catch it with their spiritual ear. In fact, they walked away going, I don't like Him at all. In fact, let's kill Him. So, in Revelations, in chapter 3, verses 20-22 through is where you can find it if you're taking notes. Jesus said this. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears My voice and opens the door, I will come into him and have dinner with him and he with me. And then two verses later, he says, anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Was he talking about a physical door? No. So if he's not talking about a physical door, he's not talking about a physical voice and he's not talking about a physical ear. He is talking in the spirit realm. With your spirit man, with your spirit woman on the inside, does your spirit person Is it listening with ears to hear? Not talking about in this natural realm. In fact, you know, the psalmist said that, he said, you open my ears to listen. You open my ears to listen. If if Jesus meant physical ears only when He said, you know, hey, if you have ears, listen, then deaf people, I guess, are just out of luck. right? But it's not talking about that. In fact, Jesus Himself, in order to walk in the wisdom of God, Jesus had to have His ear opened. Not His physical ear, His spiritual ear opened to be able to hear what God wanted Him to do. And in in Isaiah, you can find that. In Isaiah 50, verses 4-6, through it says, He awakens me each morning. He awakens my ear to listen like those being instructed. The Lord has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I did not turn back. I gave my back to those who beat me, and my cheeks to those who tore out my beard. I did not hide my face from scorn and spitting. Clearly talking about Jesus. So, Jesus had to have His ear opened. Why? So that He could walk in the wisdom of God. So that he could walk out the will of God. So that he could walk into the destiny God had prepared for him. So that he could fulfill the purpose that God had for him. So if the Son of God needed to have his ear open, how much more do you and I 
need to have our ear open to be able to discern what is God's wisdom for me. Jesus operated in this wisdom all the time. Um, in Luke 2.40, just listen to these verses, I'll read them. It says, the child, speaking of Jesus, grew and became strong in spirit and filled with wisdom. That's knowledge of the will of God. And the grace of God was on him. That's God helping him. God giving him abilities he didn't have. And then later, he says this. He says, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Matthew 13.54 says, He went into his hometown and began to teach them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, How did this wisdom and these miracles come to him? How, do they have this, how does he have this wisdom? Because his spiritual ear was open. And he had a connection on the inside with his father, our father, right? Jesus said that, you know what? He said the day is going to come where they're going to persecute you. They're going to drag you in front of kings and governors and into the synagogues and they're going to question you. And he said it, it will lead to an opportunity for you to witness. Therefore, make up your minds not to prepare your defense ahead of time. Check this out. For I will give you such words and a wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. And he made a specific mention. You can't study for this. You can't, you can't study well enough to have this wisdom. You have to trust in the Lord with your heart, and expect it to be made manifest through you. Remember Stephen? The guy that was stoned in, in Acts? Not modern day stoned, but like stoned with actual stones. He, it says when they chose him for, to be a deacon for the ministry, it says they chose seven men who were full of the Spirit of God and wisdom. What, remember, what is wisdom? Well, it's knowing the will of God. To be wise is to know what God's will is. So full of the Spirit of God and wisdom. And then it says grace and favor was upon him. And he got up and preached a message and it chapped a whole bunch of people off and they came in and started questioning him. And it says his wisdom just silenced them. They didn't know what to say. So then they started making up lies and falsely accusing him, which ultimately led then to his death. Which the same trick keeps happening today, right? Once they can't refute the truth, they just make things up. So I said all of that. Say this, you have to listen with your spiritual ear if you want that wisdom to flow through you. Not, not I keep touching my ear to make the illustration, but it's not your physical ear. It's on the inside, your spirit man's ear. Listen with the heart. Now, I want to just continue in that for a bit. You have before you, you have within you the Spirit of God and your Spirit. And they bear witness with each other. The Spirit of God will speak to you sometimes, by like you'll hear on the inside a voice, by Him telling you something. And that's more authoritative than just the sense that He normally leads you with. Normally, His Spirit bearing witness, co-witnessing with your Spirit, how that looks is, yeah, this is it's a yes. It's the right way to go. Yes, you have peace about going this direction. Or you don't have peace about you have you have a we call it a check on the inside or a red flag or we'll say, Yeah, I, I just didn't have peace to go that way. I had peace to do this over here. 
That's His Spirit bearing witness with your spirit. This is the primary and the most common way for God to lead His sheep. His Spirit bearing witness with your spirit. Now, is there times He's going to use His voice? Sure. Um, I'll give you an example. Philip in the Bible. He wasn't even an apostle. So for someone who thinks you know, the Spirit of God doesn't speak to anyone except for the apostles. No, Philip wasn't an apostle. And an angel shows up, first of all, and says, go out to the desert. So he goes out to the desert. And then it says the Spirit of God said to him, and I don't believe that was an audible voice, but on the inside, because he was born again, he had the Spirit of God living in him. The Spirit of God said, go join that chariot. And the eunuch, Ethiopian, is on that chariot and reading Isaiah, and he leads him to the Lord. He baptizes him. And if you look at history, it's not in the Bible, but if you look at other history, it talks about how that Ethiopian went and took the whole, uh, took the gospel to his whole, whole region. So was there a lot of destiny and purpose in Philip listening to the voice of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord on the inside of him? I'll give you another example. The Spirit of the Lord, when it speaks, it speaks with more authority than just that seems, just that sense. It seems right, or it doesn't seem right. Um, we were, this was a number of years ago when my son Carson was, I don't know, maybe two, I don't remember. He was real young, but he could ride a trike. And um, he was outside, right, him and Adrian were outside on their, on their trikes, and someone came over to borrow our car in the garage. And so I give them a key, and um, they go out, and, and when I heard the car start in the garage, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me on the inside, with, with very much authority and said, uh, stop her because Carson is about to get backed over. So I, I didn't hesitate. I jump up. I open the garage door. Garage, I mean, the, the door going into the garage. And the car garage door was going up. And she had put the car in reverse. And I yelled at her, stop! And of course, she's like, what? What did I do? And, and so I go around the back of the car. And sure enough, here's Carson sitting on his trike but he's lower than the trunk of the car. She can't see him. And it was an older car. It didn't have one of those backup cameras, right? So she had no idea he was there. And he was frozen in fear because here the car's running. And he would have gotten backed right over. So in that case, did listening to the Spirit of the Lord save someone's life? Yeah. Was there destinies and purposes hooked up with that? Yes. And generally, when you hear something real authoritative like that on the inside, it's usually not just to tell you uh, which bag of chips is the most crispy. Right? It's to act because it's usually connected with people's destinies. And there's more authority in it. But the usual way that God is going to lead us is going to be by a seams. Did you know that the Gospel of Luke was not written because the Lord instructed it by a word or angel or vision or dream? The Gospel of Luke was written, you can find it in the first four verses of Luke chapter 1. Luke said, you know, I was considering it and it seems good to me to write an account of what happened. We have one of the Gospels that we put great weight upon and we recognize as being given by the Spirit of the Lord was given simply on a it seems like the right thing to do. So what can we learn from that? Maybe we are overlooking our seamer way too much. See, if you delight yourself in the Lord, we read that verse earlier, if you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. Meaning, He'll plant the desires into your heart and then you'll get them. Because you're going to ask boldly for those desires because you recognize they come from the Lord. Jesus said it this way, Abide in Me and My Word abide in you. 
Ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. All of this has to do with your spirit being in contact with His Spirit and them bearing witness with each other. And that seems that, yeah, it just seems like the right. This is what I have peace with. Never, never, never violate peace. I don't care if you have a team of ten angels standing in your bedroom ceiling tomorrow morning singing you a song in 12 octaves and, and telling you to do something. If it's violating peace, no. No. The Spirit of God on the inside of you is what's going to lead you. And there's the Word says there's many voices out there. Right? And that Satan can come like an angel of light. The, an angel led Philip, gave him direction, and he was good direction. An angel showed up to Cornelius and gave him... Cornelius wasn't even born again. Gave him direction. Right? We, we have many accounts of visions and all these things, but don't go seeking those. Seek the Lord's direction and He can see fit to get it across to you with an impression, with a seams, with a, a word of prophecy, with an angel, with a vision, with a dream, whatever. Right? Allow those things to be as He wills, not as you will. Another thing on that is fleeces. and Don't be led by fleeces and open doors. Kenneth Hagin, he used to say something that I always liked and borrowed. He said, they that are led by fleeces get fleeced. So what do I mean by being led by fleece? I mean by asking the Lord to give you a sign in the natural realm. So yeah, but didn't Gideon use a fleece? Yes. That was before the Spirit of God came to live within mankind. Since that time, since the Spirit of God came to live within us, now from that time forward, never in the New Testament do you find any fleeces. His Spirit bears witness with our spirit on the inside. And what happens is when you lay a fleece out in the natural realm, who else has access to that natural realm? The enemy. The enemy. And so he can, you know, Lord... This is your will. Make three red cars drive by. He can have three red cars lined up for you. So, there's people that have used fleeces and men like it's it's been successful for them. And then there's people that have used them and it's not been successful. So the more sure way is being led by your seamer, the spirit of peace on the inside. I told you that. Um, doing something, just this, you know, Luke was written, the Gospel of Luke, because it seemed right. Well, do you remember in Acts, Cornelius, all those Gentiles get saved, Peter goes in there, preaches them the Gospel. Ten, twelve years later, there's this big deal down in Jerusalem about all these Gentiles that, that have become believers and they're not following the law. And what are we going to do? And, and I mean, all the apostles, and they have like this massive debate about it. And finally, Peter stands up and he gives them in detail what happened. And so they all write a letter. And they decide together and they write a letter to the Gentiles to tell them, here's what, we, what we're going to require from you. And there was only four things they required. And here's what they said. They said, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit not to require more than these four things from you. And those four things were, you know, don't commit adultery and don't drink blood and uh, don't, think, don't eat, eat animals that were strangled and I don't remember what the other one was. But my point is, is they gave direction 
to the entire Gentile church on a seems. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. See, there's co-witness. Co-witness. And then a little bit later, it says that Silas, so they, so, so they took Silas and some other guys, took the Paul, took the letter to them, delivered it to them, and then Paul and Barnabas have a huge dispute. Right? They had this big argument. They were going to go on another mission trip, and, and, and Barnabas is saying, let's take Mark, his nephew, and Paul's going, absolutely not. He deserted us on the last trip. He ain't going with us. And man, they have this big fight. And they separate. And they go separate ways. But there's something that we've often missed. Silas, he was one of the guys that had taken that letter, and he stayed behind. The rest of his whole group went back home to Jerusalem. And this isn't just getting on a plane and going. We're talking about, you know, it takes a long time to get anywhere back then. And it said to Silas, it just seemed good that he would stay, stay on for some time. Well, then the big fight breaks out. Guess who winds up going with Paul on the next missionary trip? The guy that just stayed behind because it seemed like the right thing to do. He didn't have a word from the Lord. He didn't have a dream. He didn't have a vision. It just seemed like the right thing to do. Again, do not mistake in what I'm saying is the Lord can lead you by dreams and visions and all that, but it should never violate the peace that co-witness on the inside of you. If you don't have agreement with that seamer on the inside, then everything else stops until that gets settled. You know, when my wife and I, we make decisions, we like to do this. We, we look at an issue and we go, okay, um, I'm going to do it that way. And we'll even say it out loud. And we check in on the inside, how does that how does that seem? What's my sense? Then we'll say it the other way. Okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. And we check again on the inside. Which way do I have peace? Which way do I not have peace? And this is the Spirit of God bearing witness with your spirit. And He can have you... You may have peace on the inside going in the way on the outside that looks completely like the bad choice. Like completely not peaceful. But you just know that this is the right thing. This is the right thing. No, I don't have a word. I just know this is what the Lord wants. Why do you know? Because it's in here. It's, it's that peace that I have. Well, Paul and Silas, Silas stayed behind. Silas goes with Paul. And um, what's the first thing that happens on their trip? They wind up in prison. Beaten in the stocks, in the center prison. Silas has the opportunity to go, boy, I must have missed God. This didn't work out for me. Here I am in prison, beaten, probably never getting out of here, but no, he praised the Lord. Because see, he had that seams on the inside. Well, a whole church was birthed out of that because the earthquake comes and they're out of prison and you know the story. The Spirit Himself bears witness with your spirit. Someone say, the Spirit of the Lord bears witness with my spirit. He's a co-witness with me. That inner sense, that inner hunch, that inner witness, that inner intuition, whatever you want to call it, that is going to be your most sure word. Obviously, I say all of this with never violate the word either. Now, if, if you think that the Lord's giving you direction to do something that goes against your understanding of the word, ask the Lord about it. Because some, maybe you don't understand the word. Right? Has that ever happened to anyone? <laughs> yeah, right? 
One time I thought this, now I believe this. So go to the Lord with it. But obviously there's obvious things that He's not going to tell you. He's not going to tell you to go kill your neighbor. He's not going to tell you to go sleep with the neighbor's wife. You know, there's obvious things that we can look right into the Word and say, no, no, that's not the Lord. If you're trying to say this is what the Lord wants. Let's go to, we're going to close at Colossians 3.15. You know, I said don't be led by fleeces. Don't be led by open or shut doors either. That's just being circumstance-led. Well, I mean, if the Lord wants me to do it, He'll open the doors. Right. But if you're trying to discern the will of God by whether or not the doors open or shut, again, you're going to be led by the natural realm rather than what His wisdom is for you. And Paul, in fact, at one point, in, um, you go to Colossians 3, uh, but I'll read to you from 2 Corinthians 2. He's, Paul said, I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ and a door was opened to me by the Lord. This is at Troas. The Lord opened a door for him. Does that mean it's the Lord's will? Well, he opened the door. He goes on, he says, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find my brother Titus. So I said goodbye to them and left for Macedonia. He wasn't led by open doors, even though he knew the Lord opened the door. He was led. Peace is what ruled the day. Peace on the inside ruled the day. In Colossians 3 and uh, verse 15, um, put it up in the New King James Colossians 3.15 on the screen if you would. How many have ever heard the Holy Spirit referred to as the umpire of peace. Right? The umpire of peace. Well, here in the New King James reads this way, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, in your spirit, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now, this word rule, the literal translation is umpire. Umpire. Let the, let the peace of God umpire your heart. I told you this was the most sure way to be led. The most solid. Is peace or no peace on the inside. The, the Amplified reads this way. Let the peace, the soul harmony which comes from Christ, rule and act as an umpire continually in your hearts. Deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state. To which as members of Christ's one body we were also called to live. So, Allow the co-witness, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, to settle with finality, either peace or no peace. And that's the first place you check. I, I practice this daily. I'm always looking at exercising my sensitivity to that co-witness. Which way am I going to drive to church tonight? Which way am I going to do this? Which way am I going to do that? I'm always... What clothes should I? I wore this shirt because this was the one I I had peace on the inside about putting on. And it took quite some effort to get it around too, because it wasn't ready to be worn. Right? My point is is practice this every day in your life. You know, I, I play a game. I uh, can't right now. I can't think of the name of it on my phone. Where you have all these numbers, but all these squares that are empty. Sudoku. Yeah. And I when I play the game. To me, it's practice to discern what's right and what isn't. Does the Lord care about the game? No, and I don't either. 
But to me, it's practice. And I'm checking on the inside. Which number is it? I'm, I'm going to go with this number and this square. Yep, see, that was right. And on and on and on. Oh, nope, that was wrong. Nope, that was wrong. Right? And I'm checking on the inside. And it allows you to develop sensitivity on the inside on peace or no peace. Develop it. Walk in it. Follow the umpire of peace. Worship team, you can come up. If the Lord speaks to you in an audible voice or in a voice on the inside or you have a dream or vision, I mean, we have promises. The Word says that He's going to lead us in those ways. And that's all great when that happens. But you know, the more your answer is loud and clear, the less faith it's going to take for you to walk in it. And we're called to walk by faith. That sense on the inside. I remember a time where I would ask the Lord, you know, I'd have these desires. And a thought would come. Maybe I should do this. And I'd go, Lord, was that me? Or was that you? Or, you know, who was that? Was that Maybe the devil's presenting the idea to me. And the Lord said to me, why do you keep drawing on the inside? Now, I'm, I'm, He's speaking to me on the inside. Why do you keep drawing so many lines between me and you? If I truly live in you, if I'm giving you the desires of your heart, who do you think gave you that desire? So why do you keep separating you and me? I'm like, oh, well, yeah. And so that really helped me in going back to peace. Where is the peace on the inside? And that's going to help you decide on what to do about your job situation. That will lead you in should or should you not ask for a raise. That will lead you in should you look for another job. That will lead you in which church should I go to? Right? That'll lead you in a whole host of things. That way of peace. Peace, no peace. All right. I've gone much longer than normal. Thank you for uh, staying awake. Most of you. Evan didn't fall asleep. I didn't see him. He told me well, if he falls asleep, to call him out. And I've been waiting, waiting. I want to put, give him a sleeping pill so I get the opportunity. But. <laughs> Tabitha, would you come? And um, Jen and Karen, would you come and just stretch out your hands to her, uh, to the Lord, as an act of faith? Did you have something to say? Yes, you may share a testimony. Okay, I don't like these things. <laughs> um, my word tonight just really resonated with me. Just a lot of things. Um, yeah, wow, it's crazy just how the Spirit of God works and like using people to just timely messages. And, yeah, like, <laughs> the peace of God is so important when you have a decision to make because I literally was just, um, like, a week or two ago was in a situation where I really had to, I was really seeking God, and I just really didn't have peace. The farther along, like, it went, like, it was a friendship, and the peace was not there. But I was like, nah, it's fine. Like, it's okay. It's okay. I'll just can lower my standards to because I want this. I want it to work. And yeah. <laughs> Listen to the spirit and like the spirit test testifies with your spirit for a reason. And yeah. Peace of God is there for a reason and definitely is listen to his spirit. <laughs> yes. It, it rules the day. Right? It rules the day. Well Tabitha has been called to bring change, right? 
bring change to a situation that's not been good and in the political realm and bringing people that love truth into that realm and encouraging people in it. And we have, um, we've seen a lot of good results come out of Free PA already. And um, I've been really blessed to, to watch and observe and some of the things that have been happening and growing out of that. And, um, but we also know that about the time we get comfortable in something, right? The Lord puts more and more and draws more and more. And so, what does she need? She needs the wisdom of God. She needs the anointing of God. She needs Him to give her the witty ideas, the, the how-tos, the right people to come alongside of her because, I mean, the wrong people can derail things, right? And so, the Lord can do all of those things. So tonight, we're going to pray for those. And we are going to believe God that those things are given, they're on the way, and they belong to her as she leads that organization. Did you have a scripture to read? It's Psalms 149. And you are creating an atmosphere of change. And it's shifting things. It's shifting mindsets of people. Um, and really a different course. And the Lord has you on that. And it's kind of like you're a Pied Piper. And the Lord is saying to you, your strength is going to be praise. Your inner strength is going to be praising the Lord. And listen to what one, Psalms 149 says. Sing to the Lord a new song. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud. Let their high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Now, that's the word of God. The word of God is, you know, like a picture of a two-edged sword. It's sharp like that. To execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the written judgment. For this is the word of God. And look at verse 9. This honor, what I, what he just said, execute judgment, bind the kings with chains, punishment, execute vengeance. This honor have all his saints. It's an honor, as Pastor Sid talked about, God is a just God. He brings judgment. As much as he is a loving lamb, he is a judging king. And we are to come in and alongside that and execute judgment. We have the word of the Lord on it. It's the honor of the saints to do that. And praise is the weapon that allows us to execute all this. Praising God moves the hand of God. It, it brings the, the presence of God on a situation faster than anything else. It changes things. Not just atmosphere, but it changes people. So, Father, we just pray right now for the garment of praise on Tabitha. And Lord, that she shifts into that atmosphere of praise, uh, speedily. And exponentially, that it is like a garment that you're putting on her right now. And that it's her go-to when things come against her. 
when the weapons of the enemy arise up against her, she lifts her hands and prays. And Father, you have spoken this tonight. This is your word to her, that you're her praising you. Wherever she's at, it doesn't matter wherever she's at, she just stops and lifts her hands and starts praising you, that you will come in as an atmosphere and shift the whole situation. Father, we thank you for that strength being imparted to Tabitha right now. Thank you for the wisdom of God imparted right now. And Father, we just thank you that she understands this, what you're doing to her, to to giving her right now. And we give you all the praise and glory, Father, for it. We stand in agreement with our sister. We come in agreement with her as family to pray and to praise. In Jesus' name, Yes, Lord, Amen. we just bring your anointing. I ask you, Lord, for an increase of the anointing that she needs to lead free PA. And Lord, your Thank wisdom you, Lord. right now that you impart it in yes. her in a mighty way, yes. wave upon wave, Father, that even in the night as she sleeps, your wisdom is imparted upon her. And I thank you that as she yields to you, things will grow, things will will expand, expand, expand. Thank you, Lord, for your victory in Jesus' name. Lord, the right people, the right people, bring the right people alongside of her, the right people to lead the different chapters. Lord, I ask that you would um, bring the right people into leadership and into the supporting roles that are needed. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. We receive it. And amen. Amen. Glory to God. What an honor to be invited to the marriage of the Lamb, to come and worship Him. Celebration. It's the joining of the bride and the sun, the two becoming one. All the prophecies How many can say, I exalt you, Lord? The Lord exalted means that He's going to take first place in everything for us. It means that we are looking for His wisdom to walk in. It means that we're looking for Him to be glorified. And you know, the Lord's eye is on you. And He's watching. And He's just looking for someone to take me at my word. So who can say, I'm going to take Him at His word this week? All right, I believe it. You've got a whole bunch of witnesses that saw you saw you say that. So now it's time to do, right? Time to do. We have a time of fellowship downstairs. Everyone's invited for some food and some other things. So bless you all. Love on each other as you go.
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for coming and welcome to Church of the Word International here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So glad that you're all here today. I want to encourage you in our time of worship together as family. And we're going to look at Psalms 100. Psalms 100 is a classic. How many of you know? You probably have it memorized. It's just so packed with good stuff good things. But I saw something different today in my reading. And I'm going to go down to verse 4. Uh, 1, 2, and 3 is really great. But 4 is, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. So how many of you know that there is a protocol to enter in to have an audience with the king? There's a protocol. And God gives us his protocol. How many of you understand what I'm saying? He says, enter my gates, his gates, with thanksgiving. Then, once you take that step, he says, enter my courts with praise. So there's our protocol with our audience with the king. Now, you might say, I am not too thankful today. I have nothing to thank God for today. Have you checked my life lately? Seriously, I mean, people have things happen in their life that the last thing their emotions, are you seeing how I'm being very specific? Last thing their emotions want to do is give thanks and praise the Lord. Your spirit is doing cartwheels all the time. Your born again spirit is always in tune with God. But sometimes your emotions rise up and take over and don't want to praise the Lord, don't want to give him thanks. But look what the psalmist David said as he continued. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Why? Everybody say, why? Why? For the Lord is good. Number one, his mercy and his love is everlasting. And number three, if one and two weren't enough, is his truth or his faithfulness, it endures through the tough places for you. His faithfulness will endure for all generations. So in spite of your circumstances, in spite of what's going on, you can praise the Lord. You can come and enter into his gates and his, and his courts with a thankful heart because the Lord is always, always good. Amen. Say, the Lord is good to me. The Lord is good to me. He's always good to me. He's always good to me. Well, let's stand up and let's praise and worship the Lord together as a family tonight.
days that he gives us breath. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives me of all my iniquity. Heals me. Come on, you can say it too. Heals me of all my sickness, all my disease. Redeems my life from destruction. Crowns my head with loving kindness and tender mercy. And fills my mouth with good things. So that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh, we bless the Lord. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you tonight. Let's lift our hands and worship him and thank him from a grateful heart. He is so worthy to be blessed, worthy to be celebrated, worthy to be honored. Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are King. We exalt you. We honor you tonight. We thank you for who you are in our lives. We give you all the praise and all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am blessing the Lord tonight, celebrating your you being here. Share that. One way we love God is by loving one another. Hallelujah. Kindergarten. And what? First grade? Kindergartners and juniors stay in the service tonight. Well, good evening, everyone. You glad to be here tonight? Well, we're glad that you're here tonight. So if you're here for the first time, we'd like to welcome you. Can you raise your hand real high? Welcome Tabitha and her friend Joe. They are from Free PA. If you ever, if you've ever been to the Free PA meetings, this lady here is part of the leadership and was, you are this, you started it. Is that correct? The founder of it. So give her an extra, an extra hand. We're so thrilled to have them here. They, yes, what a surprise. We're glad to have you guys with us. All right, well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord. So if you need a cash envelope, raise your hand. Um, if you're giving by credit card, do fill out all of the blanks. And if you're making out a check, you can make it out to CWI. And as we return the tithe to the Lord, or if you're, maybe you're sowing a seed, um, an offering, I just want to encourage you to release faith for him to provide and to take care of you no matter what tomorrow comes. You know, the scripture tells us in multiple places that the just or the righteous live by faith. Faith is not something that we, well, if all else fails, well, I guess we got to rely on faith. I guess we got to fall back on that. No, we're supposed to live by faith. That's how we operate. Sometimes you hear people say, you know, and I know what they mean, but they're referencing people who maybe don't have a regular job, um, they don't have an, um, a paycheck that they can see coming. And they'll say, yep, they're just having to faith it. They're just faithing it, totally living on faith. Well, what were you doing for when you did have a paycheck? Or for those of us that have a regular paycheck, oh, so we're not? <laughs> so you don't have to ha- be in faith if you have a regular paycheck? No, we're to live by faith. And if you have a regular paycheck and maybe full benefits, and it's a good one, and it's, wow, above and beyond, 
be in faith. Be in faith that God's the provider of that, that he's the one that brought those opportunities. He's the one that gave you those abilities. He's the one that's going to continue that paycheck. He's the one that's going to be there and have another opportunity if that company dries up and goes away. He is the source, not your paycheck. So no matter the state of your bank account, whether it's full or empty, we are to be in faith, trusting God as our provider. I want to read Psalms 84. It says in um, 84, 11, and 12, says this, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. All right, what's a sun? What does the sun do for us? If it went poof like that, how long would we last? Uh, you know, I know that the sun gives us warmth and stuff, but I also, I mean, you know, I'm no science pro or anything like that, but doesn't the sun have something to do with our Earth spinning in orbit? <laughs> so we'd probably, like, I don't know, go off into... We'd go poof, too. The Lord God is a sun and a shield, so a source, source of life, source of provision, and a shield, protection. He is our source. He is our provider. He is our protection. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So do you believe that? Do you believe that God bestows favor and honor? Do you believe he's not withholding anything good from you? Do you believe if you trust in him that you're blessed? Not trust in your company, not trust in your employer, not trust in, well, you know what, I know how to work hard and cut coupons and, you know, I've, I've, I've got skills. No, you're blessed if you trust him. All right. So that's us. We live by faith. We're the righteous. And you might be saying, well, okay, you know, all the, what does it say here? The Lord bestows favor and honor, and, and he doesn't withhold anything good from those who walk uprightly. Maybe you're saying, yeah, but I haven't been walking uprightly. Okay. Well, you know what? That's as simple as a choice. You can just choose. I'm going to make the choice to turn from and repent, and now I'm uprightly. I'm going to walk away from that. I'm going to choose righteously. Now I qualify to be bestowed with honor and favor. Amen. All right, well, let's pray over our tithe. Return it to the Lord. Father, we are so thankful to you. We're so grateful that we can count on you, that you are the sun, you are the shield, you are provider, your protector, and we recognize you as our source for everything. In you, we live and we move, and we have our being. And we're just so grateful for everything you do for us. We're so, so grateful that you're looking to bless us, that you're looking to bestow honor and favor and good things. So I just call these people blessed. I call these tithers blessed. I thank you, Lord, for meeting any needs they may have. And we trust you, and we put our trust in you and your word, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord. All right, a couple of things in our bulletin here. We have our home groups are starting up this week. You can still sign up, so the sign-up sheets will be out downstairs. you got several choices um, to be part of one of the groups. <clears throat> Mark your calendars for Wednesday, September 22nd um, for a cup of joe. 
What's a cup of joe, you say? Well, there's two brothers running for governor. Well, one's running for governor. The other one's running for the Senate. Um, and so they would like to have a chance to come out and tell you why you should vote for them. So uh, do come out and hear what they have to say. Here at the building. Yes, here at CWI 630. So, and that's Wednesday, September 22nd. We still are looking for some help in two areas. One is for the Bible school on Thursdays. So the Armada Commission's running Tuesday through Friday, and we're providing a light lunch for the Bible school students. So we have all the other days covered except for Thursday. So um, you have it in your heart to be the body of Christ, serve Jesus in that way. You can talk to Debbie. Also, we need another volunteer, maybe even two, several, in the children's department. We actually have two of the classes are, are they putting them together? Okay. The kindergartners are going to be put together with the preschool tonight, but we were short-staffed again tonight. So we just appreciate all of the volunteers. I know we have many of you. We're grateful for you. Thank you for what you're doing. I know the kids look forward every week to their classes. We know that we have the women's breakfast coming up, so woohoo, <laughs> Ladies, that's coming up, and we are looking for white elephant table donations. So if you have something you'd like to put on the white elephant table, we are taking donations. Give them to Karen. All right. All right. Well, how many of you know what today is? We all do. 20 years ago, 20 years ago, I was 20. I'd been married 10 months to the day, as we were married November 11th. And I was in the kitchen. I mean, just indulge me a little. This, this is something we need to remember. Remember where you were. You know, there's many of you, you know, if you're under 25, I don't know. I mean, five-year-olds, maybe they remember a little bit from their parents. But we need to remember. I was 20. I was 10 months married. I was in the kitchen making my husband breakfast, packing his lunch. He's going out to work, normal day. And he came into the kitchen and he said, some fool flew a plane into the Trade Center, what World Trade Center. I'm like, oh, feeling bad for this guy that, you know, just novice that didn't know what he was doing. Probably some little tiny, seven, you know, 172 Cessna or something, you know. And then he goes back into the bedroom and suddenly he hollered, because we had an alarm clock that was a radio. So that's what we woke up to. And the world changed forever. And, you know, I was looking at some things on Facebook, some memories and different things that people post. And I was reading over the story of Todd Beamer and the ones on Flight 93 and the group of passengers there, brave Americans. And I thank God for them. And we need more like them today. But these, this group of Americans, they began to be aware that there was an attack. It began to be apparent something is going on and our harm is intended. And they said, you know what, we're not going to sit by. You know, they didn't know the full details. I want you to start drawing some parallels with what I'm saying. They didn't know the full details. They didn't even know who all their enemy might be or the why. 
They didn't know the full scope of the agenda. They just knew there's an attack. They just knew there's an evil agenda. And you know what? We're not going to sit by and be pawns. And we're not going to sit by and just participate and flow along because I don't know. I guess this is where we're all going. It's no different today. There's an attack today. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to sit by and be some pawn. So I'm just felt stirred up tonight that, you know, are you asking the Lord what your part is? You know, we look at that group on Flight 93 and they were courageous and, and they were brave and they, they didn't know everything, but they knew enough that we need to take action. So what's your part? What's my part? Are you asking the Lord, how do I not be a pawn in this attack that looks different than, you know, a plane getting flown into the Capitol or the White House? We don't know where that plane was going, but it is an attack. Pastor, I know you have some things you want to share on this, so. So in a moment, it's going to be obvious to you that my wife and I are one in spirit and heart, I guess. Uh, no, we're really not one in spirit because that's not possible as two human beings, but figuratively speaking, all right? Uh, and because I had told her before the service that I was going to talk a little bit about today and what today represents. And so she highlighted all the points I was going to make already. And so I'm going to just kind of go back and go over it already. And she didn't know what I was going to say, right? But I want to um, just bring you to remembrance. In fact, I had the very same thing about anyone who's probably 25 or less doesn't remember. So in this room, do we have anyone that does not in your own memory bank remember 9-11 happening clearly? Lift up your hands, hold them up high so we can all see. Because the rest of you in this room have a responsibility to those people. We have a responsibility to tell them what happened. You know, when history gets forgotten is when history gets repeated. And so this is something that a bunch of us in this room experienced firsthand. 9-11, and we could tell stories about exactly where I was and how that day, minute by minute, how that day progressed, right? Because it marked us. And we do not want to let the generations that are coming behind us forget what took place and how we got there and what happened after and on and on and on. Do you remember how in the first couple of weeks the unity that came across this nation and people was amazing? I mean, every car had a flag almost. The flags were everywhere. Everyone was honored to be an American. We looked at our fellow American as you walked into a grocery store and you looked at someone and they're like, they're my brother. There was a unity that came across this nation unlike anything that I've ever experienced before or since. I mean, I'm only 40, but and I see some of the ones that have been around a little longer than I nodding. So think of it this way. In the spiritual side of things, in the body of Christ, that kind of unity is what the Lord is looking for. And we as the body of Christ in the earth today have a responsibility to bring this unity again. And that when we see other believers, we, instead of looking at the things that divide and separate our thoughts and theologies, look at what does unite us and His name's Jesus. And if we'll begin to 
have that same mentality that we did after 9-11 of seeing our fellow man, actually seeing them, rather than, you know, they're just another <laughs> problem. What would happen in, in the world if the body of Christ would just come into unity like that and bring heaven to earth? In those weeks after, I remember thinking, man, I didn't know this was possible. I mean, I'd listen to like Rush Limbaugh and I thought things were bad, you know. And um, that unity came. And when all of that happened, I was like, whoa, I didn't know our country could be this unified. There is a key difference between now and then, though. You know, if would our country, if something similar happened, if China just nuked New York City right off the map, would our country come together in unity again? Yeah, I'm sure it would. However, there is a key difference between now where we are in today's society, and we were back 20 years ago. So those of you that don't remember, hear what I'm saying. Here's the difference. 20 years ago, for the most part, everyone loved our country. Even on the Democrat side, they loved our country. We disagreed on how to do things. We disagreed on what was life and what wasn't. We disagreed on the tax rates and this is good for our country, this isn't good for our country. But at the end of the day, everyone would have stood up and said, I'm proud to be an American. Now, that has shifted radically. We have a whole subset group of people that are ashamed of our country. They put disclaimers on the Constitution. They So there's a completely different mindset now than there was 20 years ago. How did that shift and change? And I'll just give you one obvious way it shifted and changed. Is look at our institutions of education. They've had 20 years of educating our young people with stupid ideas. And those stupid ideas have now been voting. Because they've come in. You know, they've had 20 years of this happening. And so for you and I, we have to say, well, okay, because Jen asked this question, what's our part in it today? How do we reverse it? What do we do? Well, we have to step back into the realms that we have abdicated as a church. And I know that I'm preaching to the choir in this house, but you and I, we have to begin to step back into the realms that are influencing the seven mountains, if you will, if you're familiar with what the seven mountains are. Or let's just say it this way, Be salt and be light in every realm. See, when you put... Jesus said you're the salt and the light of the world. Well, when you put salt into the mashed potatoes, it's not just one portion of mashed potatoes that gets salty. It's the whole bunch. And so when we, the salt, are put into the earth, we salt every area. Not just when we get together with church or those things. Right? It's going to include our education. It's going to include civil government. It's going to include... Uh, um, the business place, and on and on and on. And so, uh, again, I know that I am telling you something you all agree with already, but I want to remind you that we got to where we're at because we have an enemy. And I'm not talking about the Democrats. (laughs) I'm talking about the spirit that is driving them. There is an enemy out there that wants to destroy what this nation has done and what it stood for and what is still being called to do. You know, when our nation was cre- was created, when our founders stood up and, and, and everything changed in this, in this nation, 
there was certain promises in the very beginning. There were certain covenants with God that were put in place, even in going all the way back to when they first came ashore at Jamestown. What happened? The first thing they did was they erected a cross, planted it in the sands of the shore, knelt down and dedicated this land for the purpose of taking the gospel to the whole world. Well, those things still stand. Just because they look like they've turned to ash in many ways, we don't have to put up with that. We can rise up and once again walk in the plan of God for this nation. I'm going to read Psalms 37 to you. You know, it's so good to have Tabitha and Joe with us tonight. And um, at the end of the sermon, I'm going to bring her up and we're going to pray over her. Because as founder of Free PA, she's obviously has seen the need for exactly what I'm talking about. And the Lord put a call on her to begin that whole movement. And it's already had a, a huge impact. And so, um, but at the end of the sermon, I'm going to bring you up and we're going to pray over you. The reason I'm going to do it at the end rather than right now is because the whole entire sermon, I think the Lord crafted just for you. And I didn't know you were going to be here. So you'll be able to, all of us will be able to release more faith at the end of that sermon because faith comes by hearing the Word of God when we pray over you guys here um, in several hours. <laughs> Psalms, <laughs> okay, good. Psalms 37 is an amazing psalm, but I want you to hear it from um, the position of where we stand today. Don't think of this as David writing this so many years ago. I want you to think of where we are today, the righteous in the earth, and are we going to inherit the land? And is there a judgment for the wicked? And, and let's just read through this with the eyes of today. Psalm 137. Here you go. Uh, 37. 37. Do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. For they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. Make your righteousness shine like the dawn and your justice like the noonday. Be silent. The word means rest. Rest before the Lord and wait expectantly for Him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the man who carries out evil plans. I mean, think about uh, Joe Biden and his cronies that are his cabinet. I mean, I truly, from the bottom of my heart, I said this last week and we'll say it again, um, they are enemies of this country. And I'm not afraid to stand right here in this pulpit and say that, that they are enemies of this place. And we need to when we see the wickedness, the horrible things that are happening because of them, because of the, all those backing them, let's not, let's not get caught up in the fear and the worry and in, in the agitation because there's still a rest in the Lord that we can have. Yeah. Alright, look here in verse 8. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. For evildoers will be destroyed. And those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for him, he will not be there. Be humble 
The humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant prosperity. The wicked schemes against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. The Lord laughs at him because he sees his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and strung the bow and to bring down the afflicted and needy to slaughter those whose way is upright. Their swords will enter their own hearts and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous man has than the abundance of many wicked people. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord supports the righteous. Someone say, that's me. That's me. You know, if you've been born again, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, then that's you. If you haven't done that, then that's not you. But it's very easy to get to that being you. All right. So if you're in this house and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, after the service, please come talk to me and I will show you exactly how to do that and pray with you. All right, verse 18, the Lord watches over the blameless all their days and their inheritance will last forever. They will not be disgraced in times of adversity. They will be satisfied in days of hunger. But the wicked will perish. Someone say, hallelujah. <laughs> the Lord's enemies, like the glory of the pastures, will fade away. They will fade away like smoke. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous is gracious in giving. Those who are blessed by him will inherit the land, but those cursed by him will be destroyed. A man's ways or a man's steps are established by the Lord, and he takes pleasure in his way. Though he falls, he will not be overwhelmed because the Lord holds His hand. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous abandoned or His children begging bread. He is always generous, always lending, and His children are a blessing. Turn away from evil and do what is good and dwell there forever. For the Lord loves justice and will not abandon His faithful ones. Let me just say this. You know, we are told in the Word to love our enemies. Which includes Joe Biden and all those around him. All right, Is it possible to love our enemies? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely it's possible. What does love look like when we love our enemy? We can love the person. We can still hate what they're doing. We can love the individual and recognize that God has love for the person, yet they still have choices to make. Right? And so, when... One of the things we're supposed to do is pray for our enemies, is what Jesus said. Pray for your enemies. So that's going to include, that's going to include Joe Biden. That's going to include um, all of his cabinet, right? Even, even the bad governors. He's going to pray for all of them. And you can pray that the Lord encounter them and give them opportunity to repent and turn to Him. And if they reject that, then Lord, remove them. They're both scriptural prayers, both necessary prayers. And wanting someone who does wrong to face justice is not not loving them. See, in Romans 13, it says government's given. Why? Well, to bless those that do good and to punish the evildoer. It says they don't bear the sword in vain. The purpose is for justice to be served. Alright? So justice is not the absence of love. Otherwise, that would, because God is just. He loves justice. That wouldn't make him unloving. So the two, it's not two opposites. It's the front and back of the same. All right? There's heads and tails on the same coin. And in order for God to be a loving God, he also must be a just God. Because you can't have justice without, or love without there being justice as well. 
You know, if I if 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 he would never do this because he's an amazing big brother, but if Adrian here started beating up on my daughter, right? Pretty big size difference. It was really an unfair fight. And he was just being like mean and harming her. Justice and love would cause me to come in and stop him by whatever means necessary. Not because I love her more than him. I love them both. But there's still justice and love. And to just allow it, let it go because, well, I love Adrian too would not be justice or love to Ariel. Right? And so God is a God of love. He is a God of justice. He loves justice. And uh, I'm, I'm quite confident that if something bad were to happen to uh, anyone in our family, Adrian would be right there with me helping right in the, in the rescue of them. All right, where were we? We were somewhere where the Lord loves justice. Verse 28, the Lord loves justice and will not abandon His faithful ones. They are kept safe forever. But the children of the wicked will be destroyed. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it permanently. I mean, this needs to be our verse. The righteous will inherit the land. I live in this land. I inherit this land. Verse 30, the mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. His tongue speaks what is just. The instruction of his God is in his heart and his steps do not falter. The wicked lies in wait for the righteous and seeks to kill him. The Lord will not leave him in His hand and allow him to be condemned when he is judged. Wait for the Lord and keep His way, and He will exalt you to inherit the land. You will watch when the wicked are destroyed. I have seen a wicked, violent man well-rooted like a flourishing native tree. I mean, we can look right now at all the criminals in government. Man, they seem so well-rooted, don't they? They seem like, man, they're untouchable, like laws don't matter anymore. Well, here's their end. He says uh, in verse 36, Then I passed by and noticed he was gone. I searched for him and he could not be found. Verse 37, Watch the blameless and observe the upright. For the man of peace will have a future, but transgressors will all be eliminated. The future of the wicked will be destroyed. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. Their refuge in time of distress. The Lord helps and delivers them. Now here's the thing. If you're righteous, you know, we have promises of protection. We also have promises of help and deliverance. And I'm real glad about that. Because the righteous, Jesus said, in this life you're going to have a lot of trouble. But be of good cheer. Be happy. He said, because I've given you the victory. I've overcome the world. The Lord helps and delivers them. He says, He will deliver them from the wicked and will save them because they take refuge in Him. So let's make Him, in regards to everything we've been saying about the time, day and age that we live in, the time we live in, 20 years after 9-11, let's make the Lord our refuge. Let's look to Him to be our strength, to give us the wisdom we need to walk out our, our part. We can't do the whole thing by ourselves, no, but we have a part. And if we don't do our part, then that means there's another gap in the wall. And so let's make sure that the wall we're at doesn't have that gap. And, and be the people of prayer, the people of action, and people that are rooted and grounded in truth. Alright, how was that for sermon number one? And that's just going to roll over into sermon number two. But before we do that, I want to take a moment and we're going to pray for Jim Wolf. Um, Jim, yes, uh, Thursday, 
um, he had a mini stroke. He was taken into LGH. And between then and now, he has had multiple mini strokes. And so the left side of his body goes from being paralyzed to working again, to paralyzed to working again. He's seen that several times now. And so we are going to just take a moment and pray for him and believe God for life and health in him and that he be restored, nothing missing, nothing broken, but everything working and functioning like it's supposed to. You know, the Word says that by His wounds we are healed. And so let's just stand on that promise, the finished work of Jesus at the cross uh, for Jim. Father, I thank You so much that You have given us precious promises and that You have given us victory. You've established it and that You've already provided healing for Jim. And we lift him up to You, Lord, and we just say, Jim, be healed in the name of Jesus. Every cell and atom in your body come into alignment with the divine health and life of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I ask You too that Your peace just come upon him right now. Come upon Deb that even in their hospital room, that as doctors and nurses come in, they go, what's going on in here? Father, that Your presence is so strong there. And I ask too, Lord, that You meet every need of theirs in Jesus' name, we declare it is so, and amen. Of course, you know your part as the body of Christ is to check up on Him. Is there anything I can do for you? Can I bring you a meal? All the things that, that you would do if Gabriel called you up and said, Jesus is in the hospital. You know, because Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these brothers of mine, it's the house of the Lord, brothers of mine, You've done unto me as though He were there.